Hey guys, welcome back. This is your host, McKenna Miller, and this is Today on the Gram. Today, we're going to be talking about stances and triads, so I'm pretty excited about that. I know I've been away for a while, um, just with the holiday season and everything going on, so give you a little update on my life. So, holiday season started, and we, um, I ended up going to Tulsa, Oklahoma to see some of my friends from an old youth group that I worked with. I also got to stay with the branches, so shout out to them. Um, it was super cool to go see Cassie and Lee in, um, their new home, in their new city. Um, they're some of my best friends, if y'all didn't know that, and that was just really fun to be able to hang out with them. And we went to this one restaurant. It was so pretty. Um, it's called Roosevelt's. And I don't, I mean, I guess it's like kind of famous in Tulsa just like all the time. But what's really special about it is at Christmas time, the entire restaurant is literally covered head to toe in Christmas. And so reservate, like they don't take reservations because they would be totally booked instantly. And so like when you get there, you have to wait forever. So we we got there and it, it was actually only a two and a half hour wait, which is like, what? But the first time I went, or maybe it was two hours, it wasn't that bad because the first time I ever went when I used to live near Tulsa in Bartlesville, it was like a three and a half hour wait. And I was just like, um, and so we didn't end up staying, but you know, we waited and it was so worth the wait. It was so fun. So they literally completely cover the entire ceiling in this like, like sheet of garland. And then they like, like hang ornaments and lights from it. And it's so pretty. And then like every 45 minutes, they'll do this like light show to music. And it was just, it was so pretty and it was so fun and great food. And it was just like great to spend time with friends that I hadn't seen in a while um, also I am recording this at my parents' house and I mean, if y'all know me, you know, I have a pretty active dog. Um, Riley is so sweet and I love her, but yes, yeah, she's a very, very active dog. And, um, I, my parents also have a dog. Um, her name is Shiloh. She's a black lab and Shiloh is actually pretty tame. But when Shiloh and Riley get together, they're like literally insane. And so they're um, both together right now because I'm at my parents' house recording this. And um, yeah, you might hear them a little bit in the background fighting or something like that or squeaky toys or I don't know. So I'm really sorry if you can hear that. And if not, then just ignore that whole statement. <laughs> but yeah, and so then after Christmas, I had a great Christmas with my family. Um, we did New Year's. New Year's was literally the most chill New Year's I've ever had. Thank you, COVID. But we, <laughs> it was just me and my family, you know, so me and my little brother, my mom, dad, and Jacob. And Jacob was like, I want to stay up till midnight. I want to stay up till midnight. I'm like, he's only seven, but like, he's already got the idea that like, he's old enough to like stay up till midnight now. And we were like, oh, okay, we'll let you stay up till midnight, which like we weren't going to, but you know, we were kind of trying to trick him into the fact that like the ball drops at midnight, which like it does, but like here that's 11, you know, cause we're in Dallas. And so we did let him stay up pretty late, though, because he stayed up a little past 11, and so we let him watch the ball drop, 
and my mom got out these like really pretty um champagne glasses and we poured sprite into them and so we had <laughs> we toasted sprite at midnight and or midnight at 11 <laughs> um and we watched the ball drop and it was super fun um just a super chill night in our pjs and then you know after that just got disappointed again by the Cowboys, you know, like they got my hopes up and then of course they let me down again, which like not surprised, but that was just, that was sad. Texas won their bowl game though. So that's good. Alamo bowl. Let's go. And then last night was the natty and, um, yeah, I'm just so tired of Alabama winning everything. They, they just need to calm down because, I just, I can't take it. And the fact that, like, Nick Saban was, like, this close to being the coach for Texas when Mac Brown left, and we could have just, like, we could have, we could be the ones dominating right now, but that didn't happen. And, yeah. And so, so that's my sports life. Um, just waiting for Kansas City to win the Super Bowl again, because that'd be great. Pat Mahomes is my boy. Travis Kelsey is my other boy, and we love him. So that's the update of Mac Miller. That's the sports update. I'm, you know, I knew y'all were so, so invested and you wanted to hear about that, but um, that's what's going on. And, um, you know, we're starting stuff back up with the teens. And so I'm excited to see them some more and get to study with them and hang out with them. And that'll be really great. So big things happening. Um, as big as they can be during a global pandemic because we are still going through that. So, but yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about the Enneagram. Um, I said we were going to talk about stances and triads today. So first we're going to talk about triads because stances kind of goes off of that. But um, I want to talk a little bit about triads. And so if you guys remember, I did have people ask me, they were like, why'd you start with number eight? Like, that's so weird. And I did talk about it a little bit, but not in super detail. And so the reason that I started with eight was because I was starting with the gut triad, um, which is also known as the instinctive triad. And that starts with eight. So it's eight, nine, and one. And so I went in order of triads. And so I ended up going from eight to seven because I went from the gut to the heart to the head. Um, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about all of those and go into a little bit more detail. So the first is the gut triad. And this includes includes the numbers eight, nine, and one. And so that is the challenger, the peacemaker, and the perfectionist. And so hopefully by now on this Enneagram journey that you've taken with me, that you've listened to these podcasts, and that maybe you've um, read the book or whatever, you have figured out what number that you identify with. And you have started to really lean into that and started to see your healthy and unhealthy habits. And this, if you haven't figured it out by now, maybe this will help a little bit. But if, um, if you had, <clears throat> this will probably just tell you so much more about, you know, what number you are. And so eight nines and ones are in the gut triad. And basically what that means is that, you know, eight, nines, and ones all take in life through their instincts or slash, you know, with their gut. <laughs> and they generally respond based on what their instinct is telling them to do. And so eight, nines, and ones, they are concerned with justice. 
that is a really big thing for them. They like to seek justice for the marginalized. And one thing about eights is their underlying issue can be anger and they're seeking autonomy. And so, you know, each of these Enneagram types deal with anger as their gut center issue, but they all deal with anger very differently. So eights tend to display their anger in hopes of controlling it. Nines tend to deny their anger in hopes of not upsetting anyone. And ones tend to repress their anger in hopes of achieving perfection. Some advice that I may have for people in the gut center, the gut triad, is instead of acting quickly based on your instincts, maybe, you know, allow yourself to think first. Think about how your anger affects you and those around you. So when you're making decisions based off of your instincts, based off of your gut, you're just going to do things and you don't think about the consequences. You don't think about your actions. You don't think about other people's feelings. You don't think about the way it's going to make you feel. You just do it based on your first instinct. And that can be um, really helpful in times, but that can also be really harmful. And so that's kind of one of the things that I would encourage eights, nines, and ones to do is that in that moment of wanting to just act, maybe take a step back and think a little. They act out of anger because they are, that's their underlying issue is anger. And so they're so, they're so inclined to just act. The next triad is the heart triad or the heart center. That in the heart center, we have twos, threes, and fours. And so I fall under that category because I'm a three. And while these numbers all seem pretty different, they share the same heart instincts as opposed to the gut or head triads. So two, threes, and fours, twos, threes, and fours all take in life through their feelings or, you know, with their heart. And they generally respond based on what their feelings are telling them to do. So they're concerned with image, they seek attention, and their underlying issue is shame. So they all deal with shame. But again, just like in the gut triad, the way that they deal with shame is very different. So twos tend to focus their feelings outward in hopes of not feeling shame. So they just put their feelings onto everyone else and try to worry about everybody else's feelings. And that's why they're so helpful because they're so concerned about everybody else and not putting that back on themselves because they don't want to feel the shame. But threes, they tend to deny their feelings in hopes of resisting shame. So threes, sixes, and nines, I've talked a tiny bit about this, but we are all in the spot where we are repressive and dominant in the exact same triad. So even though I am feeling dominant, I am also feeling repressed. And so I try to deny those feelings. I try to repress them as much as I can in hopes of resisting that shame. Fours tend to focus their feelings inwards in hopes of avoiding deeper shame. So maybe some advice for people in the heart triad, threes, fours, and twos, or twos, threes, and fours. Think about how your shame affects you and those around you. So again, trying to really take a step back and think about what you're gonna do before you just act based on feelings. Because if our feelings are all over the place, we might not be acting in the right way based on our feelings. You know, sometimes thinking with the heart is a good thing. 
But sometimes thinking with the head is also a very good thing. And sometimes thinking with the heart can lead you a very astray because the heart can be deceiving at times. The last triad is the head triad, and this consists of the numbers fives, six, and sevens. Oh, I didn't say, but for the last three numbers, twos, threes, and fours, that is the helper, the achiever, and the romantic. Okay, so back to the head triad. The head triad, or the thinking triad, um, that is the numbers five, six, and seven, which is the investigator, the loyalist, and the enthusiast. Five, six, and sevens take in life through their thinking, with their head, obviously, and they generally respond based on what their minds are telling them to do. So they're concerned with strategies, they seek security, but their underlying issue is fear because of that. So even though they all have fear and anxiety, obviously, again, they come at it a different way. So fives tend to be anxious of the outside world, and that's kind of why they try to isolate themselves. So the five that we talked to earlier in this series was Shaleen, and that's one of the things that she talked about was retreating, and then when people, you know, would call her out on that, or when people try to figure out what's going what's going wrong, what's going on. She, um, if she's not willing to, to talk about it because she has a fear of, um, either trusting or, or a fear of just like letting people know how she is like being vulnerable. Like nobody just like loves to be vulnerable. And so what she'll do is she'll use sarcasm to like hide that. And so she'll kind of just like coop up into, um, her shell so that, you know, she doesn't get hurt. Sixes, they tend to be anxious internally, which means that they're always playing the worst case scenarios. And so that's one of the things that we read a lot about sixes is that they are always ready for a situation. You know, when we talked to Grady about the whole, that story that he shared, oh my word, I still like laugh every time I hear that story. Um, but it's things like that. If, you know, it doesn't have to be that extreme, but just always being on your toes of, you know, what's going to happen. And it's not even like, you know, that you have a bunker <laughs> prepared for the zombie apocalypse, but it could be things as little as like running through a conversation a million times in your head, preparing all the different ways that it could go bad when you're about to have a really important conversation with someone. And so they're, they're always playing up those worst case scenarios. And so they're trying to be ready for that. Sevens tend to deny their anxiousness, which means that they're always keeping their minds and bodies busy. And so, you know, one of the things that we talked about with John Mark was that like gluttony is the deadly sin of sevens. And it's the gluttony of, I mean, it can be food. And in his instance, he admitted that his is food a lot of the time. It's binging on sweets and snacks and um, getting into things like that. But also it's the gluttony of keeping yourself busy, of overworking yourself, not even like in, not even like necessarily in a work environment, but Sevens are typically known, I mean, they're the enthusiasts, and so they're typically known as being, like, the adrenaline junkies. My friend is a seven, and she told me about how the other week she went to see her friend in another state, and then literally, like, that morning, she got up and went skydiving. 
Like, it's just one of those things of they are those people that you typically think of that are like, whoa, who are those people that are going to go skydiving or bungee jumping or, you know, fill in the blank. They're always trying to keep themselves busy so that they don't have to, like, deal with that anxiety that they have. So some advice that I might have for five, six, and seven, five, sixes, and sevens is maybe instead of acting based on your thinking, allow yourself to be first. Like, be in the moment, be present, Think about how your fear and anxiety affects you and those around you. There's this quote from um, this movie that I used to watch all the time as a kid. It's called A Cinderella Story. I know that's so cheesy, but it's got Hilary Duff and Chad Michael Murray, and I love that movie. And I know this quote is definitely from something else. Like, I can't even remember. I can't remember who it's by now. I'm going to sound like a moron because I'm quoting it from this movie instead of the actual person that said it. But (laughs) I used to watch it all the time. So that's what I remember it from. Anyway, so they, in the, the diner of the movie, there was this quote on the wall. I think it's a baseball quote. I'm not really sure. Well, it is a baseball quote, but I don't remember who said it. I'm sorry. Anyway, so the quote is on the wall. And the evil stepmother, it's it's kind of like, you know, Cinderella. The evil stepmother comes in and she, like, puts wallpaper over the wall and then she puts this guitar on top of it. Well, at the end of the movie, or towards the end of the movie, someone, like, hits the guitar and it falls off the wall and it rips the wallpaper off, showing the quote. And it says, never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. And I like love baseball and so that's very like near and dear to my heart because like you know baseball but it's also just like good for life of you know never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game so never let the fear of something going wrong keep you from living your life to the fullest and that's exactly what that means and I just I love that quote and I love that movie and if you haven't seen it you should definitely (laughs) go watch it Okay, so those are our triads or our centers, the gut triad, the heart triad, and the head triad, thinking, feeling, and doing, or, okay, in the order I said it, it would be doing, feeling, and thinking, and those are some of the things, so again, the the doing or the gut triad, they deal with anger, the feeling triad or the heart triad, they deal with shame and the thinking or the head triad, they deal with fear. So then we move over to stances. So in a nutshell, stances define your social style of how you get what you need or want. You lose the ability to balance all three of those triads. So the thinking, feeling, and doing triads, and they lead to one of these centers becoming repressed. So I talked a little bit about that being the, in your triad, you have repressive and you have dominant. And so we just talked about all of the dominant things. So in the gut triad, you have eights, nines, and ones, and they are all doing dominant. In the heart triad, you have twos, threes, and fours, and they are all feeling dominant. And in the head triad, you have fives, six, and sevens, and they are all thinking dominant. So on the repressed side, for doing repressed, we have fours, fives, and nines, which put them in what we call the withdrawing stance. Then in the thinking repressed 
stance, we have twos, sixes, and ones, which put them in what we call the dependent stance. Then for feeling repressed, we have threes, sevens, and eights, which what we call is the aggressive stance. So by knowing your stance, you'll learn how to tap into your repressed center to achieve harmony within the mind, body, and heart. So I'm first going to talk about the aggressive stance. So the aggressive stance, again, is types 3, 7, and 8. In this stance, these numbers move against people focusing on what they themselves need or want and are feeling repressed. So these people are bold, they're assertive, and they carry a strong energy with their presence. These quick-witted types often feel like others move too slowly for them. They work to push their own agenda forward and get others on board with their big ideas. They have, you know, high energy, they're optimistic, they're very persuasive, very direct, and action-oriented. When you talk about them all individually, all individually though, let's start with threes. So threes move against what gets in the way of their goals while seeking attention and praise for their accomplishments. So we know that threes are very goal-oriented. They care a lot about success in their work environment, but also just in life. And so when they do something, they want to receive praise for those accomplishments. On the other hand, sevens move against what gets in their way of happiness, seeking security by satisfying all of their desires. And so this is where you get the whole um, stereotype, honestly, of being like an adrenaline junkie because they will just fill their life with things that satisfy what they want, what they desire. And then eights move against what gets in the way of their agenda, seeking autonomy by being in control. So eights love to have control. They love to be in power. They love to be fighting for others and for themselves because they want to basically just like to get their way. Some of the challenges aggressive types might face, you know, they they take impulsive action, um, especially with eights they're already in the gut tribe and so they're very much doing dominant and so they do that on impulse um struggling to connect to their emotions and the emotions of others that would definitely be i mean that falls under all of them but for threes and sevens especially it's really hard for sevens to tap into emotions and it's really hard for threes it's it's very easy for threes to have emotions, but it's hard for them to identify exactly what emotion they are feeling. And then reframing negative situations or outcomes with taking time to process. And so I, de- I definitely struggle with this. Of There are so many times when I'm just going, 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 and I'm str- struggling with like a lot of things and I'm dealing with a lot of things, but I don't want to deal with them in the moment. I don't want to feel those emotions. And so I just kind of push it aside and I keep working. And then when I finally like either right before bed or like just when I get home and I'm by myself or just time when I don't have anything else to do, but feel all of those feelings that I pushed away the entire day, like it comes out in waves. And so if I, I'm definitely one of those people that like I cry hard in movies because like I'm like yeah I'm not gonna feel any of this stuff and then when I see someone else like feeling it for me basically I'm like oh my goodness that's me and it just like comes out because I I'd never take the time to process a way that all of these assertive types 
you know, sevens, eights, and threes. A way that they can tap into the feeling center, though, taking time to check in with what it is exactly we're going on will put a lot of things into perspective. And so you really need to spend time in the word. You really need to spend time in silence as much as I hate doing that. But journaling and having accountability partners to check in on you, but also being able to check in on yourself and to record the way that you're feeling. Uh, Because that is a big thing of, I've done a lot of exercises with my covenant group where we'll talk about feelings and it's great and I can identify feelings in other people. But then when Betsy asked me to start doing it in myself, I, I remember Erica talked specifically about this a lot too, and she's a three. And so we're very spot on on this, that it's very hard for me to sit there and identify all of the things that I'm feeling. And so I really, really have to take the time to do that because that is something that can really help. Okay, now we're going to talk about the dependent stance. So this is types one, two, and six. These are all thinking repressed numbers. So just like I talked about with being a three, sixes are thinking dominant and thinking repressed. But we know that twos are feeling dominant and ones are doing dominant, okay? So these types make sense of the world through relationships. Um, They're emotionally attuned to what's happening in the present moment and respond to shortcomings or injustices by taking action. These team-oriented types are concerned with the larger group wanting to come up with solutions that benefit everyone around them. They're very emotionally intuitive. They're relational. They're very, very good at problem solving. They're concerned for the greater good of everyone. And they're very, very compassionate. Ones, they will move towards what will earn them autonomy by following rules and doing what's right. Just like they like to be perfect, they like to also be perfect in the way that they act. And so following rules and acting accordingly and doing what they would consider is the right thing. Twos will move toward earning praise and acceptance by focusing on helping others. And then sixes will move towards what will help them feel safe by building, you know, a secure environment and aligning themselves with a group. And so that's why sixes are a lot of times known as loyalists because they do really like to be in a good environment where they're with people for a long time, where they are in a big group that they know that they can count on them and others, like they can count on others and others can also count on them. But some of the challenges that 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 all of these numbers might face is, you know, they struggle to think independently. That's really, really, really prevalent for sixes, especially because they're I cannot think of the name right now, but there is a type of six that is very, we talked about it in the six uh, podcast. So if you go back and listen to that, I definitely mention it in there, but there are a type of six that are really, they listen really strongly to authority figures and it is really hard for them to make decisions on their own. And they will basically only make decisions based on other people telling them to make decisions. And that's a really unhealthy trait, but that's like the reality for a lot of sixes. They also struggle with setting boundaries. That's a really prevalent thing for twos because twos want to desperately help other people so badly that they, it's really hard for them to learn to say no because when they're 
already spending their entire time offering help, offering, hey, can I take your plate? Hey, can I do this for you? Hey, I'd love to do this. Can I cook you a meal? Can I, you know, walk your dog for you? Like literally all of these things. And so they're already offering that. But then especially when someone asks their help, like if someone notices, oh, this is a really helpful person, there is nothing in the world that they would, and unless, if they're in an unhealthy space, they would never say no. They would be like, absolutely, like I will drop everything to help you just because that is how they are. And in an unhealthy space, that's how they feel that they deserve love is through the things that they do for others, which we have talked about that numerous times that if you have a two in your life, you need to, uh, you know, speak into them that you appreciate them for more than what they just that for more than just what they do for you. Because I know that that's something that they struggle with. These types also struggle with feeling a secret sense of superiority for doing what's right. And so maybe like thinking a little more highly of themselves when they do the things that are quote unquote, right. And they become self-sacrificial, spending so much time on others that they don't care for themselves. So how these numbers can tap more into their thinking center is they need alone time. It is critical for these types to connect with themselves. And so if you have ever talked to Jake or like you heard on or Jake Jacobson, or if you heard on the podcast with Grady, those are two men that I know that adore silence and alone time. And I don't get it, but that is them being a healthy six because that is something that, that they need. They need that alone time. They need the time and silence to be able to think through things, to be able to have that time with God. That is just a really healthy trait that they both, that they both do and they both live out. And that's something that, you know, twos and sixes and ones need to do more often. Taking walks, spending time in nature, or even just like developing passions or hobbies. These are all really good practices to tap into that thinking center. It's also really important for dependent types to not judge the thoughts that they have. When they think so hard about like being perfect or being a good person, they they tend to like repress their own desires. They tend to not think about the things that they really want in life. And that can be that can just, that can be really hard because they need to be happy too. So sixes, twos, and ones, listen to me when I tell you like, you need to be happy. And um, I know that making others happy does make you happy. And so if that helps, then go for it. But I also think that you need to take some time and work on your own soul and alone time and soul care and make sure that you're checking in on yourself because you're helping so many other people so often that you forget about yourself and you are so important. Okay. (laughs) So the last dance that we're going to talk about, and this will be the last thing that we talk about today. This is the withdrawing stance. So the Enneagram numbers that are in this stance are fours, fives, and nines. And basically what happens with them is they move away from others to get what they need or want and they are doing repressed. So again, we see the nines in here and you're like, wait, I thought nines were doing dominant. Well, they are because three, six and nines, they're, they are dominant and repressed in the exact same um, stance and triad, which is so confusing, but that's where we're at. So, and because they do that, some of the really cool characteristics that come out of that are these numbers are very self-aware. Um, they're super insightful. They're very curious. They're imaginative and they're 
highly observant. So when these numbers move away, you know, fours move from a sense of something missing within them by connecting with their authenticity. They want to feel something real. They want to feel authentic. Fives will move away from what triggers their personal shortcomings by finding security within their minds and resources. And then nines will move away from conflict and distress by seeking an environment that brings them peace. Because that's, you know, what they ultimately want is just pure and utter peace uh, amongst everyone. One of the biggest challenges that these numbers have is a lot of times they have this feeling like their presence is insignificant, which is just really sad because that is not the case at all. Some of my absolute favorite people in the entire world are nines. I have told you that so many times and that is so much the truth. A lot of times they're wanting to be seen but not wanting to engage and they struggle with connection outside of themselves. You know, that can be really hard for fours because they can be so focused on individualism so that at times it can be really hard for them to like, like relate to others. So how these withdrawing types can tap into their doing center is connection. Connection is absolutely critical for withdrawing types. They need to seek others and share their their observations and passions with because when they do this, they become more confident in their presence and they realize that their presence matters to other people because that is something that it's so true but it's hard for them to like realize that oh yeah I do matter here when they make those connections they can see that oh these people really do want me here and so that's a really important thing you know taking small actions such as reaching out to someone they admire or even simply like committing to sharing something they're fascinated with this will help them become more proactive about this. The withdrawing types, they are very like highly aware, highly self-aware. So they don't like struggle with naming what needs to be done, but rather like acting on it. So they know what action needs to be taken, but it's for they themselves, they need to actually act on it because they know what needs to happen. They just don't do it out of, you know, fear or anxiety or just the the feeling that they're not, that their voice isn't going to matter. And so that is not true. And so I encourage you, if you are a five, a four, or a nine, that when you know what needs to be done, go ahead and just act on it. Because you're right. Like, you are right in what needs to be done. And so that's one of the things with nines that being doing dominant and doing repressive, they absolutely, absolutely know what needs to be done because with their gut, they think that they, they just, they want to act and they have the right action in mind, but then they're so nervous about actually acting on that. And then they end up in circles by never doing anything and taking forever to, to have that decision made, to have that action completed because they know what to do, but they're too scared to do it. So I really encourage y'all to act on those things and to really tap into that doing triad. So that's what we have today as far as triads and stances. I know that was a lot to unpack, but I really hope that y'all learned a little bit today more about yourselves or more about the other people in your life that you know that are certain numbers. I've definitely found that this helps me for one. Well, I struggle with this idea <laughs> It helps me, but I also struggle with it because I am one of those odd three numbers that falls into the category of being doing and or being dominant and repressed in the exact same center, 
But that has also helped me realize that, yes, I have a lot of feelings, but I also don't know how to identify those feelings all of the time. And so different practices like being able to think about my entire day and write down all of the feelings I had. I hate doing that, but it helps me so much. And I hate doing it because I don't like identifying those feelings that I have, but it really, really does help me identify that. And so even if you don't necessarily like some of the practices practices that I suggested, I promise you that it will help you in your spiritual walk and on this Enneagram journey that we're on. Next week, we're going to go ahead and do our little question and answer, our little Q&A. So continue to send those questions into me. I have been working on that, and I'm really excited to share that with y'all. And that will be our last Enneagram podcast. Oh, that's so sad. Um, it's bittersweet because I know I am not <laughs> the most informed on this subject. And so there are times where I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to say. But I think... I've done okay at this point and I'm so thankful for all the people that have been listening and that have given me feedback on it uh, because this has been a lot of fun for me to do and I just love the Enneagram and I think it's such a fun thing and I love being able to talk about it and study it and grow from it and so yeah so join us next week when we do that Q&A. I loved having y'all on today and I can't wait to share some of your questions next week. This is Today on the Gram.